Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast, the first show of 2018. We're back. We got the whole gang back together after an extended period on the road. Rob Cassidy joining us from Miami. Rob, how's it going? I'm going to become one of those guys on Twitter that complains about things not meant for them. Like I'm going to make Kardashian jokes and be like, you know who else hates the Kardashians? All of the other 30-year-old white dudes that follow me because and that's what I'm going to do with my life. Well, can you complain about soccer while you're at it? Yeah, and also Kendrick Lamar's halftime performance. I'll also complain about that. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, one person who definitely could complain about soccer, we got the U.S. men's national team losing players left and right to other countries. Uh, Nick Kruger. Nick, how's it going? Well, you know, right now I'm not in the mood to talk about that. I am in the mood to talk about Blake Bortles leading the charge to a 10-3 to victory over the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia in tears, and I saw 40,000 of them crying after a game in person on Sunday. I couldn't have been happier. Were they? Did you see yeah, we the ha- table destruction? They, I, uh, I, saw, I saw a number of people try to break tables, and nobody was successful at doing it. A couple of people got hurt. I did know one Jaguars fan did set himself on fire. Uh, got got third degree <laughs> burns and all that. I I was wearing I was wearing a really nice jersey and outfit. I didn't want to partake in anything that would possibly, uh, you know, you know, jeopardize the the life of that jersey. I've had it for a long time, so, um, you know, I was just a I was just a bystander in that category. So you're you're, you're saying that had you not been wearing that jersey, you might have let somebody slam you through a flaming table. I would. I mean, the number of people that were failing at going through tables, like somebody had to have shown them how it was done. I'm. I'm not sure I still would have been that person, but I would have given a heavier thought to it. Look, if you guys want to do a live show next year from a Bills game, let's go to East New York. Let's let's go up there, West New York, excuse me, and let's go to a game and let's do a live show, and I will let you guys put me through a table as part of this live show. Yeah, I think Rob could easily – I think, boy – I could easily – you're talking to the sloppiest guy in the industry. I could easily smash through a table. <laughs> and Rob is, you know, obviously we know Rob is built forward tough. Jeez, the dog is barking hey, out. You know, uh, Grizz. Got a little Grizz appearance on the podcast. <laughs> Grizz doesn't bark very much. So uh, anyway, I'm going to have to go check that out in a second. We want to remind everybody, subscribe to the show on iTunes. We've been gone for a while, uh, but now we're back. Um, so tell a friend we've been getting a, you know, a lot of traction here on the podcast lately. We want to keep that momentum going. Uh, Nick, did you want to talk, are we going to talk about if Blake Bortles is a top 28 NFL quarterback? Or not? Uh, well, after this past week, I would have to say not, but he, but he is probably in the top half of the league as a, as a running back. He certainly outperformed, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, on Sunday. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. But- there's a reason schools were recruiting him to play tight end. He can move out there in space. Uh, so anyway, big shout, Jaguars Nation. Is that what they call themselves? Now? Everybody's a nation, you know. It's a, Jags Nation. It's kind of it's kind of a, a reference to Duval County, if anything, more more often than not. So not not really a nation, more just a county. Well, uh, you know, Jacksonville. A lot of people don't know this. Biggest city in terms of uh, geographical area in the United States, right, Nick? That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you're, when you're driving up uh, I-95, Jacksonville starts like right north of Daytona and it's just Jacksonville for like the next 30 yeah, miles. You know, it's so, actually a little known fact. It's actually Jacksonville until you get to New York City. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Everything south of the city is Jacksonville. 
Well, it didn't take us long to get uh, derailed. Uh, of course, last night we had uh, the national championship. Uh, well, I go check on Grizz the dog uh, and see what, see who's trying to break into my house or whatever. I'll let you boys uh, take away that discussion. I'll be right back. So 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 take it away. Thoughts? How's it going to impact recruiting? What's going to happen? And I don't even really know where to start here. And I, I don't know why Woody has to go check on his dog. What a, what a, what a strange occurrence this is. To well, what would you say? Well, Grizz certainly isn't a bulldog. We know that. <laughs> no you know you know obviously it was a fun game and everybody saw it I, I assume if you're listening to this podcast you've seen what happened in the national championship game i don't think we have too many casual fans listening to a podcast about recruiting um i guess if you're not an sec fan last night hurt because a you didn't want to watch the game and b uh it seems pretty obvious that these two teams are both here to stay uh georgia has another incredible recruiting class coming in they are obviously already loaded. Uh, they're going to lose some guys, obviously. But when you look at that class, it, it, it's really becoming quickly an Alabama situation where it's not a rebuild mode. It's a reload mode. They're recruiting at an extremely high level. They already have a talented roster. I think it's safe to say that they, you know, if they get past Alabama, they're going to be right back in the situation again next year and for years to come. Uh, and that's really hard to choke down for a lot of these Big 12, ACC, Pac-12 fans who are so bent out of shape about the, the all-SEC title game. Uh, you know, I looked at this game from a couple of points of view and, and very favorable in, in terms of Alabama's perspective. I mean, you think you think coming into the game, uh, you're talking about Nick Saban goes on college game day. They're asking him, why do you deserve to be in the playoff at the time that they were coming down to the final four? He it seemed to be that Alabama was the team on the outside looking in. He comes through with this line saying, oh, our resume speaks for itself, even though they weren't playing in the conference championship game. Here they come in. They beat Clemson. They go on and beat Georgia, who was probably the hottest team in college football uh, coming into that game. You know, so for them for them to pick up uh, the win is is total vindication for them. Uh, I mean, I I can't. You know, we get we get uh, being accused of a lot of things in terms of uh, favoring you know a favorable bias towards Alabama here working for Rivals.com. But I mean, when you just look at what they were able to do, I mean, all season long. The, the narrative with them was how injured they were, how banged up they were. You look coming out of halftime, they make a quarterback change. They put in ta- uh, Tagovailoa here in the second half. I mean, this is this is big time, you know, meaningful football for him. Of course, obviously on the other side, you have a true freshman in Jake Fromm, but he'd been playing well for the better part of the entire year. I mean, that that was a situation where you know it could have it could have gone very bad very quickly for Tagovailoa, and he actually did have his share of mistakes but comes through in, in the clutch, throws a big pass at the end of the game to win it. And now you're taking a look coming into next season, regardless of what happens with Jalen Hurts, Alabama fans got to be excited about what they've got uh, coming back from the quarterback position. And then, you know, I, I I have a lot to say here. You know, stop me whenever you want to jump in. But, I mean, we were talking coming out of the early signing period, you're looking at all these teams signing the majority of their classes. Alabama you know, Nick Saban kind of poo-pooed the early signing period, didn't really have as big of a signing class as some of the other teams uh, in the conference and around the country. Uh, and he, and this is, I mean, you want to talk about a bump going into the February National Signing Day that Alabama needed to fill out that class and make another charge up the rankings here down the stretch. This is exactly what the doctor ordered. You know, Alabama wins on multiple fronts as far as I'm concerned. And take nothing away from Georgia. You know, the what what the season that they had and what they put together and the job that they did to get there is nothing short of outstanding, especially making that quarterback change, putting giving the reins over to Jake Fromm and and playing their way to this point. I mean, it, 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 the circumstances around this game and the finish of the game, you know, if you're if if you're not a Georgia fan, you've got to be impressed by all the ingredients that made this game what it was. All right. So let me ask you this, and I think this is the most interesting question. 
because Georgia lost this game, is it possible that they will bench uh, the true freshman that led them to a national championship game in favor of Justin Fields next year? Uh, I think that we've seen a changing of the guard at Alabama. I I think that I'll be shocked if Tua doesn't start the year at quarterback at Bama. Uh, Clemson, who was also in the playoff, may you know have a quarterback controversy on its hands with the true freshman coming in. Uh, now that these true freshmen have proven themselves so capable, I think Kirby Smart's going to have an interesting decision, and I can see the I can see the case for for either side here, right? I mean, you don't mess with what works. Jake Fromm took you to a title game, almost won that title game as a true freshman. So why, no matter what happens in the in the spring or in fall camp, would you mess with that? But you know. If you some if if Justin Fields is as advertised, uh, and you know some people, other services that aren't rivals have him ranked as the number one player in the country, or did for a little while uh, before they made the switch after his injury, would you be tempted, or do you wait for Jake Fromm to lose a game next year? And by that time, it's too late. You make the switch; it could be too late. Do you think that you there, there will be a quarterback controversy at Georgia to start the year next year? If I'm Kirby Smart, this is and, and this is under the assumption too. Obviously, we're all we're all assuming that Jacob Eason transfers out is no longer part of the picture next year. I, I if I'm Kirby, Smart, I, I expect I expect that to have happened by the time this podcast gets out. So. <laughs> right? Yeah. So so if I'm Kirby Smart, I I have to say it's an open quarterback competition heading into next season. I really do because I, I admittedly I watched uh, the first half closer than I did the second half last night. I you know I was. Uh, you know, I had some social engagements that I was tending to while the game was going on. From what I saw from Jake Fromm in the first half, he and maybe it was nerves, maybe it was I, I don't even credit Alabama's defense for I mean, because Georgia had they were scoring points uh, at this point. And I was still saying to myself, you know, Fromm didn't really look that sharp. I mean, some of his throws just were not not where you would expect them to be, given all the hype that Fromm had coming into the game. That being said, the story around Fromm and why he why he's you know such a uh, interesting uh, storyline heading into this game was you know just how how strong of a leader he is and you know just uh, you know just, it, it had it had less to do with his ability and more to do with him as a person and and his persona as a player on the field and um, you know so that being said I think sure they certainly gave Justin Fields a sales pitch to get him in the door and commit and sign with Georgia. You have to you. I I think if I'm Kirby Smart, just right out of the gates, I say it's an open quarterback competition and let the chips fall where they may. I'll tell you what Jake Fromm did do last night is he did complete 16 passage, which which is, uh, you know, particularly noteworthy because the over under on that prop bet was 15 and a half, and I may have <laughs> known somebody that took the long L <laughs> on that one. So even in defeat, Georgia has defeated me or my friend in this case. <laughs> You know, I think I think just looking at the way that obviously there were miscues by both teams that kind of opened the door for, you know, for both to win down the stretch. I mean, was there anything you saw defensively that stood out from you from either side? Uh, you know, anything uh, anything noteworthy there? No, you know, not really. I mean, I think Alabama has better players. Uh, that's just clear, I think. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't help when, you know, one freshman quarterback kind of rose to the occasion and the other one kind of puckered. Uh, you know, and going back to what we were talking about as far as Fromm goes uh, before we move on from that is the other side of this that we didn't really point out is you risk looking like a total boob no matter what if you stick Justin Fields in there, no matter how good he does. He can go 75 for 75 in fall camp, uh, 175 for 175, just throw a touchdown pass every time he touches the ball. And if you put him in there and then you lose a game 
or you lose two games and you don't make it back to the playoff, then all of a sudden it's like, why would you screw with what works? I mean, it's it's a lose lose. I think for for Kirby next year, it's going to be tough to navigate. Do you think so? I, I mean, go, but you know, and this is one thing in all my all the things that I was talking about. Uh, you know, we. Look at next season with Jalen and, and Tua. What's going to go on there? You mentioned, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, Lawrence coming in at Clemson. Obviously, they, you know, they had a good quarterback play from uh, Kelly Bryant this season. I mean, I think, I think all of these coaches across the board at this point now, they, we're talking a lot of talent at the quarterback position amongst all these top teams. These guys can't be afraid. Well, to Alabama's pull the a little bit of a different. Alabama's a little bit of a different case though, because Tua is now, you know. Granted, it was one half of one game, but one very important game is a proven commodity to to a different extent than any high school kid, whether it be Lawrence or Fields is. Uh, at least you can justify, okay, the reason I made this move is because you saw what Tua did in the national championship game. He's the reason we won the title. If you're smart or if you're Dabo, you got it. You're selling somebody on a dream, right? Something they've never seen before. So no matter how good he is in camp, you can't pull the trigger there. And if things go bad, expect for the fans not to call you an idiot or be pissed because all they've seen is these guys lead them to a playoff uh, and then you tweak what works. And then all of a sudden you lose two or three games and you know, it just looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we can bring Woody back on. I think this time he's actually done uh, you know, disciplining his dog or whatever has happened. <laughs> Sorry. I came back for a second and then I got a phone call from our boy, Zach at Adidas. So uh, anyway, great discussion by you guys uh, on the natty. Uh, great game, obviously. And uh, it sucks. We have to, how long do we have to wait till college football comes back now? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, eight months. Yeah, but you know, there's the NBA and your favorite sport of baseball, and uh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. oh well, at least it's a World Cup year, right? You know, the USA is really gearing up to make a run in that. And I think the country <laughs> will really be focused on the USA's performance in the World Cup. I think so. It'll be nice. It'll help speed off the off season. The U.S. fails to qualify. Oh, really? And, huh. and so does uh, so does Greece. So Nick and I will be uh, rooting for Iceland, right, Nick? I haven't I haven't picked my team yet. You can root for Iceland. I, I might have to take a look at some things. I'm full on Columbia, man, because the parties in my neighborhood with kind of the demographics around here are going to be insane with the Columbia fans, and they'll be going crazy at the bars, and I'm really excited. <laughs> the listeners won't hear it, but you kind of glitched in our ear. It sounded really, <laughs> really it, it was almost like a, when you right when you said Columbia fans, and that it was almost like a Dylan Crawford situation. Um, so anyway, moving on, we let's we should talk about our time on the road. You two were just broing out. It was a bro fest down at Under Armour. Bro down. It was a bro down, having so much fun. While well, I was in uh, San San Antonio, uh, <laughs> going to Yard House for every single meal and getting harassed for only getting pickles on my hamburger, uh, which I guess I should. You no, know, I don't know if I'll tell that story today. It's a little controversial. So first, first of all, I guess we should start with the difference between the games and sort of the vibe compared to years past because of early signing day. I felt it at Army. I mean, so many guys were signed. I mean, generally, most of the players are committed anyway. But, I mean, this you, you'll still have players say, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about taking some visits and, and other things. This year, it was really if we're focused on a, a handful of guys. I mean, did you kind of get that sense being out at Under Armour about, you know, there only just being so many people that people were really paying attention to? May I be frank? Yeah, you can be frank. It was brutal, miserable. <laughs> I first of all, it, we were completely overstaffed. The event. It's freezing cold. There are probably thirteen unsigned guys of note at this thing. So we've got like four reporters there, and it's like, well, what are we doing here? You know, you, you, what are you going to ask the signed guys? You still signed to that letter of intent? Yep, sure am. Awesome. 
oh, it just seemed like an exercise in futility, really. After the first day of practice, you see the guys against elite competition. That's nice to kind of, you know, see how they do. You've talked to all the uncommitted guys. And then basically you're just standing outside in the cold for four days for no reason. While, to be quite frank, players that aren't nearly as good as the game that you were at at Army are out there working on punt coverage. I, I, I don't know. Nick and I went to SmackDown Live, so that's good. But other than that, man, it was it was rough. Well, to, to to be fair to our coverage plan, obviously in years past, it was all hands on deck. I mean, it, generally we're chasing 40 or 50 players and none of us knew how it was going to shake out. I mean, we had several guys, even in the Army game, sign surprisingly, like, you, you know, uh, guys that decided to announce um, all, all of a sudden. I mean, it was crazy. So I, so I think, you know, next year we'll probably approach it differently from a coverage standpoint. My question is, uh, do, do we ever see a point where maybe coaches tell these guys, you know, because because there were some players who who opted not to come or whatever to to the various games. Do, do we ever see a point where coaches have these players signed and maybe tell them not to go to these games? I think that happened this year, but you know, not on the record. But I, I, they're not going to come out and say it. But yes, I think that time's coming, and I think it's in a lot of ways already here. Let me let me just play devil's advocate here and say, I mean, I think I think there is sort of a. Um, you know, there should be a level of interest. Okay, for example, most of the, a lot of these a lot of these schools that were that were involved. I mean, look at look at Texas, for example. I mean, they had they they almost had like ten guys at the uh, at the Under Armour game, and I, I think it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure of mine to um, you know to see. Okay, all these guys are signed, you know, and Texas fans are excited, and then and then at that point though, like. You know, there's there's nothing there's nothing Texas can do if these guys come out and expose themselves as being you know horrible players after all against top competition. I'm not saying that happened, but I'm just saying like you know generally speaking, you know the I think the focus shifts from where are we are we trying to guess where guys are going and it's a whole rat race of of trying to get quotes that don't actually say anything and we try to read the tea leaves through that to to the point where hey these guys are definitely going here are they as good as we thought they were you know. The opposite is also true. And I talked to one of these guys who uh, – who was that guy last year that had that really didn't have a ton of offers? He was from the Midwest. He had a really big Under Armour game and ended up getting a ton uh, of offers. It was like a, Thomas who went to uh, – he, he went to Miami. Yeah, remember? yeah, that's right. That's right. So he had a great game, you know, completely changed his recruitment. So I was talking to one of these kids that was signed with, with uh, Southern Illinois that was there. He's a three-star kid, really nice talkative kid. And he was like, look – that can't happen anymore. Like, you know, what if I go out and I run for 2000 yards tomorrow? Uh, I'm still committed to Northern Illinois. There's, you know, even if I get 30 offers, there's nothing I can do. Nobody's going to offer me. So why am I here? So he was kind of bummed out. And I wrote his story as kind of part of my kids hate early signing day story. It does take away some of like, you know, that was a nice story last year when Thomas came out and got all those offers and was awesome. Uh, that's never going to happen again. Yeah. That, it, well, there was the running back, which, uh, which, you know, people were blaming me for having ranked as a three-star who won the MVP uh, from Nick's region. Uh, what was his name, Nick? <laughs> Maurice Washington. Nick had a, yeah, so, a 45-minute conversation with him after the game. Yeah, so, so uh, well, Nick wrote a great story, by the way, on, on Maurice because he, he went to Twitter and called out rivals and had a great game. Uh, and then, like I said, people were making fun of me about it for some reason, even though I'd never heard of the kid prior to that day. Uh, he, he fits that bill, but the problem you have is he got invited because of his connection to Dion. He what? lives with the coach. He lives with, the right. Coach. Like what, 
yeah, like what under the radar kids are going to be invited? It's it's very rare, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what, half of Dion's fake school got invited to the future fair. School, quotation marks, I won't call it fake. Half of Dion's school got invited to the future 50. Meanwhile, there was no receiver from Florida there. So I guess the under radar kids that will get invited are kids from Dion's school. Yeah, the uh, it, it's definitely a weird situation. And then people ask me, you know, how could this guy get invited to a game and he'd be ranked a three star? Well, we don't base our rankings off of the all star games. We're not invited in the we're not involved, excuse me, in the invitation process to either game. We just go and cover them. And it, it is valuable tool you mentioned for evaluations. I mean, seeing the guys go against each other in practice is great. Probably even better than the games, honestly, because the games are so. I mean, we saw the quarterbacks at Army were just. They were getting hammered. I mean, you know, our boy, the greatest football player alive, Trevor Lawrence, threw two picks after only throwing one interception all season. And, you know, the, the mob was out wanting to drop him in the rankings. So there's going to be major ranking shakeups. I, I know uh, I was talking to Mike today and, uh, the you know, the, the rival's godfather. And, and he said, you know, he was mentioning several guys. He thinks after seeing those games that this is a great year for talent, we could have a lot of five stars. So I personally, you know, I still think there's a lot of value in that. I just wonder I wonder if it gets to the point where maybe it's a junior game or something, especially if kids are going to be taking official visits in the spring. I mean, couldn't you see couldn't you see it being essentially like the future 50, but it's just those players in the game? I would enjoy that a lot more. It would be more interesting to me. I think that by the time these kids for us anyway, from a selfish standpoint, get into these all-star games, I'm already sick of them. They're sick of me. I've seen them a million times. I know what they do. Uh, it's, you know, it seems like an extra, it seems like, like I said, it seems overstaffed. And another thing, we should play this thing in the Bahamas. I, I'm not, you know, it, it, any risk that it's going to be cold in Orlando again like that, I want to avoid. Yeah. What? Cold weather, cold snap in Orlando uh, was, was definitely And I'm not just and- being like a Florida pansy about this. It was legitimately cold, like freezing. Like 30, now, the kids that came from Orlando to Texas were real, were real salty about the weather situation. Hmm. Um, he, uh, <laughs> they were saying they, they had to wait outside uh, to watch the game and it was really cold, but I mean, what were they going to go inside with you guys where you were also sending me uh, snaps of you guys with no heat, right? <laughs> that picture of Farrell in the hoodie freezing in the press box is one of my favorite pieces of art. I'll call it of all time. Well, I remember, Nick, don't you remember us covering the offense-defense one year in Orlando and it being that cold the year you lost your parents' car keys and it was a whole thing? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, I don't remember, uh, you, you know, me and remembering details. It's not really. <laughs> what, what a statement. You know me. You know me and remembering details. Uh, very true. So uh, I want to talk more about some of the recruiting news that came out of there, mainly the commitments. Uh our boy, Buki, who, by the way, was supposed to do a podcast with me last week. Unfortunately, there were some uh, miscommunications with the uh, media staff down there. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. Media availability uh, was uh, a challenge at times. Uh, so he and I, we, we did do some talking off the record, but nothing uh, in podcast form, obviously. He chooses Oklahoma, which I think is what we predicted when we were doing our list of predictions earlier. But boy, he had people sweating. I mean, at the beginning of the week, I was arguing with people who were telling me they were like, "No, it's Florida State, done deal." And then I, and then he, you know, 
Buki told me that he he had sent stuff to Oklahoma already, and he was like, "But I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going." <laughs> it was a real bizarre situation. I was like, "I guess the moving company is going to make a lot of money, you know, if they have to." He was, the, you know, manufacturing drama. I had somebody else that we work with text me, and he was like, "You might want to be ready just in case, because Buki just whispered into my ear that he's going to USC," and I'm like, "Buki is full of crap." <laughs> I mean, it's, and then I saw somebody tweeting about Oregon, like at the, the 11th hour, he did a, you know, what he did was what our boy King Congo did last year and just filled the air with so much BS and maybe silently committed to a couple schools <laughs> that it threw everybody off at the last minute. So good on him. Well, I think though, we need to sort of talk about Oklahoma. We, we do catch some flack for not talking about uh, schools around the country all the time. This is a massive recruiting win for them, isn't it? I don't know what their connection was to him. I know they've been they've gotten some guys out of California in the past, you know, five star Caleb Kelly. Uh, but this seems like this seems like a huge a huge win, not only from a perception standpoint, but I have no doubt. I mean, the way he played in that game was amazing. I was really I was really uh, hamming it up in the press box as I told Nick uh, yesterday. I was like, man, imagine not having him ranked as a five star. <laughs> Because obviously we're the only ones that have him ranked that high, and I was really uh, getting ruffling the feathers of some some of our competitors. But I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the game. I mean, he was all over the field every time they threw at him. It seemed like he was making a play on the ball. I think he's the kind of guy, and we, we you know people think he's too short. I got news for you: there's plenty of five ten DBs playing in the NFL right now. I think he comes in and plays right away. I mean, especially in the Big Twelve, and I think he's going to be a guy. I mean, we saw Duke Shelley, who who everyone says was too small. Uh, nobody in the SEC would take him. He goes to Kansas State, and he's he's basically started every game since midway through his freshman year, right, Rob? That's yeah, that's exactly what happened with him. And no, I agree. Um, and the, the allure of Oklahoma, I think, is simple for 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 Radley Hiles. I, I just don't like saying Buki that often. It's really the second time I said it. I, I struggle getting it out. Is obviously the availability of early playing time. He loved that visit. I didn't talk to him right after he got back, but I talked to, I think, Pledger, who was on that visit with him, Stephen Pledger, his IMG teammate, who basically told me that he was going there. You know, he loved the visit. The thing that people that haven't ever been to Norman don't understand, we talk a lot about Nebraska and kind of the fan support there and how it wows kids because the town is all about Nebraska. To a lesser extent, that plays the same in Norman. Uh, And when you're a kid from Pac-12 country that has only known that, um, and you know, he's been around a little bit on visits, I guess that can, you know, that combined with early playing time can really turn a light bulb on. Uh, I've spent significant time in Norman and that fan base is every bit as insane about the football team as Nebraska is. And, you know, I think that really played well, uh, in his mind because we know, you know, he's the kind of guy that likes the attention, you know, simply said, not that that's pejorative or a bad thing. Uh, but he enjoyed the recruiting process and he enjoys, you know, he enjoys interacting with people and, you know, fans are going to interact with you in Northern Oklahoma. Yeah, it, it, I I think personally he's going to be a star. I think, you know, him, there there are a few guys every year that that really have that you know it factor. I honestly think Leon O'Neill uh, from Texas, Nick's uh, Nick's boy. I think he's a guy that that, that just they just have it. You know, even uh, even Tyreek Johnson, and I, I think that's another story that, that that we need to talk about. Some of these guys that have emerged early, and if, if you want to go through the list, I mean. This year, we we had almost more than ever. Trevor Lawrence, Joey Gatewood, Tyreek Johnson, uh, James Cook. These are all guys that emerged so early. Uh, we, we have all those guys ranked as five stars. And I think I'd have to imagine that a lot of – or excuse me, not Gatewood as a five star. But those are all guys who are all were you know ranked early, committed early, offers early. And I almost think they're suffering from – 
from us seeing them. But too remember much. what we did to Dylan Moses too. Right. And that was you and I were driving the bus on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I was in the drop Dylan Moses from, you know, bandwagon from the beginning. But yeah, well, no, you're right. There's some fatigue, I think. I think there is. I mean, to think that, you know, t- all we were told all fall was how overrated Tyreek Johnson was, how he stinks. He's nobody wants him. He's not a take. And then he comes out the first day of Army and just starts killing people. And everyone was like, oh, my God. Tyreek Johnson's good. And it's like, well, he was never not good. No, we just I – mean, like a certain faction of us just decided he was not good because – and I'll tell you, if you really want to be brutally honest about what happened here is – let me give you the series of events I think is – this is how this happened to Tyreek Johnson. Florida's failing coaching staff before it got fired. <laughs> you like how yeah. I started that, right? Yeah. Decided they weren't going to get him. So through their back channels, including people that cover the team that I know – they decided that Tyreek Johnson was not a take. Uh, we don't want him, which you know is the sour grapes excuse of the history of the world, uh, which spread to other coaching staffs. Once they hear we don't want him, and you know Miami then has to say we don't want him either. Well, you were never going to get him. Uh, obviously, he was good enough for Clemson and Ohio State to want. He ends up going to Ohio State, uh, and then everybody sees him in person, and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, uh, maybe he's still good. And the thing is, nobody ever really gave a reason for why they didn't want him. It was like. Does he have character issues? He's never been in trouble off the field. You know, does he like to talk smack? Yes, but every kid in the country does. Uh, has anybody ever seen him be bad? Yeah, there's a couple maybe like bad looks on a couple game tapes that you saw. But, you know, I can pick that for any kid in the country. There was never a reason other than this mob mentality just kind of emerged. And it was like, yeah, you know, we've decided that Tyreek Johnson sucks. And that was the next. Right. And we're not even talking among fans. We're talking oh, among like coaches and reporters. Right. Yeah, Coaches and reporters. Exactly. Well, and the same goes for the other guys. I mean, I know, as I mentioned, you know, Trevor threw two interceptions and all I saw in my feed was he's overrated. This guy sucks. So it's like, well, you know, nobody played well in that game. A <laughs> and, and B, he did end up leading them down the field at the end to to go to score what would have been the game tying score in a normal game. Of course they went for two and ran a trick play that they spent, you know, nine hours practicing and <laughs> practice all week. And it never worked one time, by the way. <laughs> and then of course they run it in the game. It doesn't work at all. That was a, that was the biggest shock of the, uh, of the week. But I just think we got to be, I think we got to be careful. And Joey Gaywood's a perfect example. We saw him initially when he was a freshman. I think we invited him to the five-star challenge. And he struggled some. Of course, he struggled some because he was a freshman going against. He when he was a freshman, he was going against. You know, I'm trying to think of what year that class was. Was that the year? That, go- was that the year that Kyle? Uh, no, was that the year? Was that, no, it was the, it was the year where uh, it was the year with like uh, Lamar Jackson, who went to Nebraska, Jack Jones, those type of guys. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the other. Jake Bentley was the other. Hold on, Lamar Jackson went where? Lamar Jackson, the Nebraska DB. Oh, okay. Lamar Jackson. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think of who else was that. Dexter Lawrence was there. I mean, you're talking about guys that are some of the best. Like Dexter Lawrence is one of the best players in, in college football. Joey Gatewood's still in high school. And think about it. They were at the same event uh, and kind of being judged uh, the same. So, you know, we kind of soured on Gatewood. Then this past offseason. Uh, I think fair, when you say I we, wrong. it was not me. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say I meant the collective we. Okay. I, I I necessarily he didn't sour on him, but but I mean you remember he wasn't even starting on his seven on seven team. He was splitting time in high school. 
And then next thing you know, we go out and see him this past spring, and and I thought he was I thought he was much improved. He continues to get better, and he comes and plays an underarm, and I, I thought he looked great on TV. I don't know how he did during the week, but I mean, don't don't we agree that he's still getting better every time we see Look, him? Man, I will never bet against the huge guy that can throw the ball a mile, uh, the strong, huge, fast guy that can throw the ball a mile. I don't care if he split time in high school. Uh, maybe he didn't fit the scheme. Maybe his coach was doing something else. I'm. It doesn't take a football genius to look at Joey Gatewood and be like, "Oh yeah, that kid can probably still be pretty awesome." Uh, you know, I'll take big, strong, and fast over anything in the world. Joey Gatewood he checks looks, all those boxes. I'll, I'll say, I mean, from, from the from the first time I saw Joey Gate, and Rob and I talked about this because I'd seen him a lot less frequently than you guys have. But I mean, from the first time that you saw, and Joey Gatewood was big for his age. I mean, when we saw him as a younger player, and now you look at him, and you know, when you talk about guys looking like a college football college football ready player i mean he he fits that description to a t he looks good he, he he's he looks he looks bigger better and stronger than he did you know for for his age at that time and i thought i mean you know the the quarterback play we we talk about these all-star games i mean generally i mean when's the last time you can remember anybody having a having a really good you know performance or, or really memorable performance or you know i mean a lot of, more often than not we're talking about kids at these all-star games not showing well for themselves because the the odds are stacked against them in terms of what they're able to pick up and how they're able to uh you know represent themselves you know in a very short period of time with a bunch of strangers you know they they, they all know each other sort of uh through twitter and whatnot but this is the first time they've ever played with each other and tried to you know work in a scheme or an offensive game plan or anything like that and you know i thought during the week gate would look great and i thought during the game you know especially given the weather conditions you know the way that he plays football uh he was you know the 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 setup was was such that you know it was favorable favorable to him and i thought you know and i thought he represented himself well there too so you know like rob said i mean sometimes it's best not to overthink it when you see a guy physically and you see what he can do uh throwing the football i mean maybe that's you know maybe that's all (laughs) you need to be thinking about can we please get some credit for Nick for working the word football in there three times? I was very impressed by that. <laughs> Throwing the football, the way he plays football. You're, you, next thing you know, you're going to be hosting an NFL pregame show. Man, well, I almost broke into my Chad Simmons uh, uh, accent too, and then I really would have. Then it would have been my show altogether. Well, Nick was at a National Football League football game this weekend, so we have we have to remember it might have they might have there might be like subliminal messages on the jumbotron. Yeah, I need to ask you guys something seriously related back to what Nick said there. Do you think that people would take us more seriously as football guys if we had southern accents? Oh yeah, you and me for sure. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I don't ever plan on anybody taking me seriously, so. That's hard for me to think about. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't just sound like when you meet somebody that has one of these accents that it's like, well, you know, I don't know if they know what they're talking about, but because they have a Southern accent and they're talking about football, I completely, I, I, I just believe whatever they say. <laughs> it's true. It, it is true. I mean, I, I, I found myself that when I was trying to get into TV gigs around here and then I realized who was on TV and who was it. And I was like, it's pretty, pretty easy to figure out. But, I, you know, when I moved from Oregon to North Carolina – and was promptly informed that I was a Yankee by several people. <laughs> you know, I, I, I found it out the hard way that that's how things work down here in the South. And unfortunately, uh, Rob, you know, you have a little bit of your New York accent sprinkled in. I have a New York attitude, thanks to my mother. Uh, so <laughs> The Woody Parental Issue podcast is maybe my favorite emergence. Yeah, well, boy, we're having all types of uh, family issues. We'll talk about that in our on our family podcast. <laughs> so... Uh, 
So anyway, that wraps up the the All Star coverage. We 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 definitely, you know, Rob said it, it was a little challenging at times, uh, especially considering the way things were with so few uncommitted players and, and so much attention on them. That kind of I want to spin that forward into uh, which which Nick loves when I use that term <laughs> uh, into the discussion of now the guys who are uncommitted. I mean, how much are we expecting them to be? You know, really, really hammered here over the next three weeks because i mean it's it's amazing you know a lot of these kids were telling me during the dead period that they would wake up and their phone would have you know 50 text messages and i'm like well i mean that's against the rules but it doesn't seem like anybody cares about that so do we think these kids uh that did wait as as some of us suggested they should do do we think they're going to uh they're going to maybe regret that depending on uh, how hectic things get I mean, coaches have less things, less people to bother, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying there are less people to bother, but more coaches to bother yeah, because they I mean, have more yeah. free time, right? Yeah, I mean, Nick, what do you think? Go ahead, Nick. Oh, go ahead. In Texas, it seems like a lot of the a lot of kids didn't sign, Nick. So, what, what do you think? I mean, there, there's a few. There's definitely some guys that have seen, you know, their their stock uh, skyrocket. You know, you know what ends up happening is guys that haven't been recruited throughout the course of the year all of a sudden pick up all these offers. You know, the guy the guy that's most notable in my state right now is a defensive tackle from Katie. His name's Moro Ojomo. And physically, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's a big, strong dude. Uh, you know, kind of an interior, you know, a little lean for an interior lineman, but but not, a, you know, not a lot of bad weight. You know, one of those, um, you know, foreign players that I know what he likes from a continent uh, unnamed. But, but... But then all of a sudden, you know, you see these signing classes fill up and then all of a sudden he's picking up a Notre Dame offer, a Tennessee offer, you know, an offer from this place, an offer from that place, you know, and then fans talk themselves into saying like, you know, they're seeing an explosion in offers and interest and then fans talk themselves into saying, well, this guy's got to be, you know, why, why is he ranked so low? Why, you know, you know, somebody must've been sleeping on him, but that's not the case at all. I mean, now we've gotten to a point now where there's just fewer guys on the, you know, fewer available guys on the market. And, uh, you know, and these offers have to go to somebody because everybody only has a couple of slots left in their classes for the most part. Uh, so all of a sudden it becomes a, a real competition for guys that, you know, I mean, take nothing away from Morrow. He's a good player. I'm, I'm sure he's deserving of, you know, of, of a lot of these offers. But but let's not let's not fool ourselves and and talk ourselves into thinking that guys all of a sudden are, are better now than they were, you know, three months ago when nobody was offering them. Uh, I totally agree with you on that. And I think. I kind of explained this to some fans on the Tennessee board, and I'd seen Paul Strilo, uh, who covers Clemson for us, reference this as well. Instead of reaching down, like as I was telling Tennessee fans, reaching down and maybe stealing a player away from Memphis like they did last year in the quarterback, uh, Will McBride, who they flipped late, you're now having to go to the uncommitted ranks to find players. So instead of taking a guy who was like, okay, maybe he's a group of five player uh, who was under the radar or something. Now you're going to have to go try to find a guy who may have been bordering on, you know, he didn't even have group of five offers. And like you said, the, the offers are flowing in for some of these players. And then you've got, Oh, another failure by rivals to rank this guy. Well, it's like, you know, there was a reason the schools didn't offer him before. <laughs> and I think a lot of coaches are finding that out the hard way. I mean, I had a coach send me a message yesterday saying, we're looking for ballers. And I was like, well, good luck, coach. <laughs> First of all, don't ever use the word around me again. Secondly, they're all signed. 
Yeah, exactly. They're all signed. So where are you going to find these ballers? It's like, you know who they are. There's only a certain number of guys. So uh, I'd be curious to see what happens. And I think, I think the schools that are going to be punished the most, and I said this before, was the schools w- with new coaches. I mean, I just think, you know, we've seen Tennessee do a nice job getting a couple commitments and, and it seems like they have some momentum, but still they have a lot of spots to fill and, and where are the bodies, you know, where, I just want to know where the recruits go, Rob. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that broke me. Oh, sorry, that's an inside inside joke podcast. Uh, so anyway, I think that uh, that about wraps it up on on our discussion today. As we're trying to to, to bang through the episode here a little quicker, uh, shall we move on to tweet of the week? You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Now, I don't know if I have any tweets necessarily from this week, which uh, may be an issue. <laughs> yeah, you got, yeah, you got a few in your mentions. Well, though. but it's been, it's been, I mean, we've been off the air for a couple of weeks. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the past week to qualify for this particular podcast. This one comes right. from God who calls Woody a low life. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Um, okay. So, Rob, you'll enjoy this one from someone named Rob. Hey, Team Rob. Uh, uh, the Oregonian tweets, uh, Powerball jackpot for Wednesday reaches $460 million. And uh, a guy named Matt Prem uh, retweets it and says, what would you do with your life if you won $460 million tonight? And our boy Rob Mosley, who used to be a, a beat writer at the Register Guard in, in Eugene covering the Ducks, now I think he works for their in-house media, he says, number one, quit Twitter. <laughs> absolutely team Which rob I, is correct i think there's a shared sentiment for all of us uh i think i, I, <laughs> I think we would all get down with with that one so it's uh it's, I, I have i have a few other ones too but I'm, I'm really scrolling through here and trying to find some uh oh here we go this one i like this one ended up getting a lot of traction i, I retweeted it early this guy, twenty, whose name is his Twitter name is Twenty One Average, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, great, great name. He says, "People will roast you for wearing fake Jays, but won't say nothing when people wear real when fake people wear real Jordans." So that is so you. lame. <laughs> I hope that's not a listener of ours. But he geez, said, "No, that's like the Twenty One Average of a motivational poster." Yeah, that, well, I, he says BT Dub. I wasn't being serious. Oh, uh, there so, you go. Uh, so he was just he was just clowning, Rob. Um, there was a great tweet that came on Christmas Eve from Jordan Whittington. Uh, oh yeah, that was a good. One. <laughs> I would highly advise going back and looking it up. Probably not something we can read on the podcast, but uh, go find Jordan Whittington's Twitter handle and, and go back to Christmas Eve. He did have uh, jo- Jordan too. Big shout to him. Had an outstanding performance in the Future Fifty camp uh, last week. Yeah, and then and then he popped up in in San Antonio right right after that. Jordan's got, he's got a, he had some impressive tattoos as I was talking to him about. Um, but also, boy, I spent a lot of time with Eno Benjamin, your boy, Nick. Uh, we were hanging out, having a great time uh, in the in the media lounge there. What do you uh, have to say for himself? Anything good? Well, he's said he, 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 he met Herm yet? Uh, he we didn't have any Herm discussion. He did say uh, he doesn't have a girlfriend right now. <laughs> so ah, that was that was on his mind. Um, probably, he's probably, well, you know, he's, he's at Arizona State, so he'll be all right. Can we talk about while we're on this? Can we talk about what's going on in your home state? And is this exaggerated? Because I assume it probably is. Uh, these things I'm seeing on the internet about people panicking about the gas pumping. I assume that's a you know like 
greatly exaggerated, right? Okay, I retweeted it. I commented on it pretty early in the scandal uh, situation. So basically, I think Oregon passed – Oregon along with New Jersey, I believe, are the two states where uh, you're not allowed to pump your own gas. So that means, you know, we're talking valet style. You pull up. Uh, you you get gas. Hey, fill her up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they cleaned it. This happens in New Jersey clean- as well. This isn't my point of contention. Right. I know. I know. I'm, I'm explaining it to. Uh, I'm explaining it to the people. Okay. Um. So so this has always been the case, uh, and they passed a law recently in Oregon for rural counties to uh, like like I think counties with less than twenty thousand people. So you're talking about Eastern Oregon and a few other places where it's very sparsely populated. And something like there's also like time restrictions. It's like between nine a.m. and five p.m. or something. You're allowed to pump your own gas. So basically, they're giving these mom and pop, you know, gas stations saying, "Look, you don't have to hire, you know, a, a, a pump jockey or whatever you want to call it to pump the gas." Well, when the new there was some confusion when it passed, and people in Oregon were just freaking out on Facebook, it became a national story. Everybody mocking them. So many people asking me about it, uh, much like Rob. And I can tell you that when you live in a place, uh, as I did, but if these people when, when never would, left the state, that's what what I, I they've never well, like no, driven you, somewhere else, right? But I'm telling you, when you do leave the state and you have to pump it, you're like, oh, how do I even do this? You know, this is so stupid. Where's the help? See, but you I know? know people that grew up in New Jersey that have no problem pumping their gas when they drive into you know but, Pennsylvania or New York or something. It's well, but you, real blue collar. Oregon yeah. is a very weird place, and sometimes people forget that they just think it's a bunch of cool hipsters drinking micro brews and twirling their mustaches. There are people from remote areas who just, you know, life moves a little slower out there, Rob, in you know the eastern Oregon. Huh. Well, so see, I thought it was all exaggerated. Like I saw a series of photos where people were driving off constantly and breaking the gas pumps with the, with the, <laughs> with the hose still stuck in the, and I'm like, this well, has got to be fake. I've seen that happen in person. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, right, yeah, Nick might've seen that happen and he might've even been in a vehicle where that happened. <laughs> I, I, I don't pay that little attention to detail. Uh, okay. <laughs> definitely, definitely moms are always on a, I could tell you that if, if, uh, Luckily, my mom in Oregon has still got people pumping her gas for her, but uh, I, I could see that being an issue where you know moms dr- you know get distracted and drive away. It, it's funny, you know, you watch the scene in Zoolander, you might have a different perspective, Rob. You know, and everybody goes up and smoke. Yeah, but that, they're having a gasoline fight to wake me up before you. Go. <laughs> I don't see how the two situations are related. Oh, spoiler alert! Jeez. Oh yeah, right. yeah. Sorry, I ruined Zoolander for all you people that didn't see it twenty years ago or whenever it came out. Guess right, what? Darth Vader on. is Luke's father too. Take that! Yeah, oh geez. my gosh! Wow, geez, we shut this podcast down. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, time for rants and recommendations. We've been on the road. We've been doing all types of things. We've been all over the place. So I've got a few. You know me. I've always got complaints uh, triggered here, uh, being the snowflake that I am. Uh, do you guys got anything? You got more importantly, do we have any? Do we have any recommendations? I've got I've got one of each. I so, recommend so I everybody just... celebrate Rusev Day with Kruger and I, and that's that's all I got. That's what? true. We did celebrate that pretty hard. What day? Rusev Day. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Uh, yeah, if you don't know, we can't help you. <laughs> well, if I don't know, I, I can't imagine many of our podcast faithful will uh will know what it means, but that's fine. 
That's just, that's kind of your inside yeah. jokes. Incorrect guys, on that one. You guys just broing out for a week, leaving me out of leaving me out of things. You, you must be nice. You would have been invited. You would have been invited to SmackDown Live with us had you been in Orlando. Um, and you would have declined. I know you would have. Like, so don't uh, pretend like. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to SmackDown. I definitely would have declined. Um, so so anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, what I've been watching on Netflix is a show called Big Mouth. And I could tell you, you know, it's a little racy. Uh, I, I don't think I recommended it on the last last episode. I think I watched it over Christmas break. It's got Nick Kroll uh, and that whole gang, John Mulaney, um, many, a lot of the people who are on Kroll's show. It's an animated show, and it's about, like, teenagers going through puberty. From Maya Rudolph is also involved, Jenny Slate, and a few other people. It's on Netflix, 10 episodes. Very funny, just uh, not something to watch in mixed company for sure. It's a little crass, but... Uh, I really enjoyed it. If you liked Kroll's show, a lot of the same type of characters uh, making it back out. So I would highly recommend that. Big Mouth on Netflix. And then uh, what do we got for complaints? You got nothing, Nick? I feel like you should. Well, uh, you know, I I don't really have reinsert recommendations. I would like to share, you know, a couple quick anecdotes from my experience at the football game on Sunday. Okay, all right. Well, let me tell. Okay, so let me complain real fast. So, uh <laughs> I've, I've had a major problem. But we all go through this where we try to work out at the gym when we're traveling, right? <laughs> you do. No, you do. You do a good You. I feel like you do the best job out of any of us. Uh, I haven't been lately. Okay. So we all try. We all say we're going to do it. Nick and I have been known to do it. Nick, you, you do it on your own sometimes, right? Uh, yeah. It's, it's tough. <laughs> you know, bottom line is it's tough. But how many times have you actually drug your took us down there? And you're working out, maybe you're on the treadmill, maybe you're, you know, pumping some iron, as you two have been known to do. And in walks a person who clearly just checked into the hotel and is wearing their normal clothes, and they're just looking around, looking around, walking around. Oh, this is the gym? Oh, yeah, it looks like there's gym equipment in here. And they just stand there and linger around. And I can't tell you how angry I get. I was at one in uh, Nick's lovely city of Austin. This group of six people comes in and they flip they they start flipping switches. They just flip the lights off to the whole gym. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? It's a gym. It's just like any other gym. What what do you want to see here? Have you guys experienced that or no? no that's just no, me. That happens. I mean, I've definitely it just doesn't make normal people as insanely mad as it makes you. No, I no, I no, never had anybody turn the lights off on me. But I I do know the the person that you're talking about. What's that? A Bowflex machine? Or, oh, oh okay. wait a minute, there's still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> well, they got some TRX uh, ropes in here. Oh, man. Thank God. My old boss, when I was covering Kansas State, ordered a Bowflex off of uh, Craigslist and put it in the back of our office. Mm-hmm. Never was used once. You set it up. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever used it. Well, maybe a Nordic track would have been a better yeah. investment uh, than a Bowflex. All right, Nick. So let's hear some NFL stories before we go. Nick and I, uh, Rob and I both have to go. I have a dentist appointment. So let's hear it. Well, I'll keep it brief. I mean, real quick, uh, if anybody takes a look at my Twitter profile right now, I've changed the banner on uh, my overhead to a picture that was taken from the game by the team. They do this thing where, um, you know, I, I think I think it, somewhere midway through the second quarter, they took like a 360 degree picture uh, of can, the field zoom in on yourself and stuff like that you can zoom in on yourself so that's what i did me and my dad were at the game uh and what i did on my you know as i've been known to do on my twitter header is i just you know 
drop rivals logos in over you know certain things so i took i went i found all the bills fans sitting around me and oh, put I the rivals it. logo yeah. over their faces and i see you in the uh, jags hat you've got one of those cat hats on i got the big foam head yeah the jersey and all that stuff well okay so if you look at if you look at my twitter if, if you look at the picture like over what would be my right shoulder uh, you see a guy kind of standing up in a Fournette jersey, but then next to him, there's somebody with the logo on his face. And if you go to the Jaguars website and you take a look at the picture and you find me, I'm in section 218, about halfway up, row G. Um, the guy, if you, if you look at the actual picture of the guy, he is out. And he like he's sitting there looking cross-eyed and like plumped <laughs> over. This poor dude. Well, so and 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 one thing that I saw at this game that I hadn't seen a lot of in recent memory is a lot of people wearing those split jerseys where it's like a home jersey and a away jersey, you know, sewn down the middle or whatever. Uh, this this particular guy was had a Bills jersey and a Jaguars jersey. At one point, I was sitting in the seat where that guy is st- standing and reaching down. That used to be my seat. Um, but I moved over with my dad because the guy that is slumped over and passed out puked all over the <laughs> place. The guy that's sitting in front of him right now, at the point that this picture was taken, had no idea. He had a bag of merchandise that he had bought or brought or something like that. This dude puked all over that bag of stuff. And at that point of the picture is taken, he does not know that his stuff has been puked on. And, uh, you know, of course, he found out at the end of the game when he looked under his seat and saw the, you know, the bile and all that and just kind of left it. <laughs> he decided it wasn't worth bringing home after all. Oh, that guy took off in the middle of the game, kind of messed up his experience. Fortunately, none of that landed on the aforementioned fancy jersey that I've had since circa early 2000s. So overall, still a positive experience for me. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to give a little background into that story. So there NFL you go. NFL games are cesspools, man. Boy, that's that's kind of for <laughs> shots fired. Well, dude, dude, I, I saw two grown men fist fighting on a urine covered floor in the bathroom at Hard Rock Stadium during uh, Cardinals Dolphins last year, and that was the last time I ever got to an NFL game. <laughs> Bro, I'm fighting got- in piss in urine <laughs> with no it. regard, just punching each other's faces on the ground in a bathroom covered in human waste. <laughs> Yeah, it was it for me. That's it. Oh yeah, like that stuff doesn't happen at Dodgers games, you baseball fan. It doesn't happen. I mean, no how, you know. Not anymore. People are well actually it happens in the parking lot. Usually there's not (laughs) and there's not urine involved. Plus, you know, if you want to get me started, California shouldn't even have baseball to begin with. They're lucky that the East Coast gave it to them. I don't want to uh I don't want to uh get into some of the things that happened at Dodger Stadium. Nick's right. There has been some heinous things that occurred there. Look, I will um, fight you in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a pool of urine for this. No, please. No, I, I don't. I had enough problems going on downstairs. You know, I don't need to. <laughs> Woody Medical Issues Podcast. Jeez. <laughs> oh, All right. Okay. That wraps it up. Up and down episode this week. But hey, you know, we're a little rusty. We've been gone. We'll be back in the flow uh, next week. Uh, we advise you to leave us a review, hopefully a good one, tell a friend. And uh, boy, our boy M. Deuce, he's got a new house, he's got a new studio, and he sent me some exciting uh, videos of him making new beats. So uh, maybe we'll feature some new stuff on the show. Be sure to check him out, find him on Facebook uh, or Twitter or SoundCloud at uh, M-Deuce. So, all right, M. Deuce, that's it. Take when, you said, when you said back in the flow, was that a P. Joe? No, that was... Oh, okay. It was...